spoken me. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different room. This was a usual room. He knew that. He knew her. Ghost of Me, the new book by Amanda Steele, can be found at Amazon, Kobo, Waterstones, and many, many other places. Hi guys, it's Andy N. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006, and currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded and sent. Although you can find it on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken Label full stop, bandcamp.com. It is a free download or free stream in there. But obviously, if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way, it would be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment, etc. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Spoken me. Spoken me. Hi, guys. It's Andy N again. Live at Stretford Sip tonight. Never done a podcast here before, so this is a, a bit odd because I assume tonight I actually co host with Amanda Steele. Hello. <laughs> I've got a cold, because you can't tell. <laughs> no, um, Steve, our, obviously our colleague, he's our third colleague, he's not here yet tonight. So, But we've got um, a bit of an international flavour with us tonight. And as Lady Now, Juliet, when did we first talk? It was last year, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it was towards uh, the end of last year, yeah. in the fall. Yeah, Yeah, and we, I know I heard of you through my friend, mutual friend Bella Kenyon. Mm-hmm. And obviously I, we were talking about doing the procession with you for Spoken Label before you moved to England. Yeah. Now, people might have guessed, you've got this international accent, haven't you? <laughs> A little bit, yeah. yeah. But do you want to introduce yourself to everybody, first of all, and tell them who you are, which part of America you originally came from. Okay. And we'll, we'll take it from there. Okay. So, uh, Juliet Vandermolen, and um, I grew up in the middle of uh, the country of, of the U.S. in a place called Missouri, right near Kansas. Mm. If you've ever seen The Wizard of Oz. Oh, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, is, is it like in real life? The houses get blown all over the sky all the time. <laughs> I hope not. That's how she got you. Two better fly them. Exactly. So that's where I grew up, but um, I was living in the New York City area prior to coming here I lived there for about five <coughs> about five years and then um, and then came over here to Wales right yeah there's well, always a slight change in culture really isn't it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I know where I do know Wales because when we I, when I was younger I used to go to family I've holiday with family lot to North Wales all the time growing up so I know it was fairly well around there and to go from America today, fab late, you. Yeah, it's a it's a lot a lot quieter, uh, not the same sort of traffic jam. We get sheep in the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so apart, a little bit apart, different. Apart from when you come to Manchester, when the first time I met you last year, we took exactly. three hours. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of about an hour, so we are completely. Now, obviously, I I know you've you've done your current book is Anatomy of a Dress, the dress, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, but I think you've been I know you've been writing for quite some time before that, haven't you? Right. So. Um, my first book came out in 2018. It's it's online with Moonchild Magazine, um, and it's called Death Library, um, and that's that's still available. It's actually available for free. Um, and then uh, I was published last year in May with Animal Heart Press for Mother May I. So I had two books out last year. Oh, yeah. That was my first. Those were my first print books: mm. Mother May I and Anatomy of a Dress. 
Right. Right, and also, like I said, I, we, I know me and Amanda saw you last year. That's what she said when you did, you did quite an extensive reading of that book. Mm-hmm. Now, in relation to that book, obviously, tell people what the inspiration behind that book was. Well, it was really interesting because it was actually, gosh, I want to say like 2016, 2015. I wasn't writing at all. I'd written, really? Yeah, oh. I'd written most of my, for most of my life, but um, I had taken a really long break, about 10 years from writing. Oh, wow. And um, I, well, you know, you don't write for that long yeah. and you kind of think, oh, maybe I lost it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard to get back into it. So actually what I was doing was I was taking some art classes in New York and I was painting. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and you just so, gone from one extreme to the yeah, other. Yeah, and it kind of like, you know, it, it just seemed like a, a good change of pace for me and a way to get back into creativity. And I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art there, and they had a, an exhibit of all of these gowns by Charles James. Oh. And so I started sketching those, and then I did sort of a, a painting project that was an abstraction of those. Wow. And um, I wasn't writing at the time, like I said, and I definitely was not writing poetry. <laughs> when I got back into writing, I was writing prose like I always had. Yeah. And then I started um, I started playing around with poetry. And then it was like all of those ideas from the sketches and the painting and the fashion. And then the things I was reading and doing with feminism all kind of came together oh, to make that fantastic. book. Right. Yeah. So obviously, backtracking further, when you were... Probably. When you were Richard writing, who did you like reading when you were growing up more? Than- well, you know, I grew up reading a lot of American writers. So um, I grew up reading Mark Twain because he was from Missouri. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so- I, I love Huckleberry. It's Huckleberry Finn. It's yep. most famous book, yep. isn't it? Yeah. Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn. And, um, you know, I grew up reading um, Willa Cather and a lot of... Um, like William Faulkner and a lot of American prose writers. And mm. I didn't read a whole lot of poetry. I suppose I wrote a lot, I read a lot of sonnets, oh, <laughs> mostly I, Shakespeare. I, 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 do, I do like sonnets, but they're most <laughs> tricky things to get my head around sometimes. They are know. tricky. Have you ever tried sonnet writing? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's too complicated for me. It's a word, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> a lot it? of structure and rules there. Oh, I know, and uh, I'm really sort of writer. I break, I break the rules, I make my own rules. <laughs> Exactly. That's why, so yeah. No, of course. And so yeah. So obviously, then you said you took a ten-year break, and yeah. then if you come yeah. back to your writing now, haven't mm-hmm. you? So, so, do you think have you found your writing has changed over that? Now you come back into it. Oh, it's changed a lot. Well, I mean, first of all, just life experience, you know, mm. changes your perspective. But also, I think I'm a little less. What I write is a little less precious to me. You know, I, I'm not, um, people talk about killing your darling and all that sort of thing. I don't get so attached to my writing and it makes it so that I'm free to create a little bit more because I'm not trying to create that perfect thing all the time. You know, I just kind of let it happen and yeah, yeah, change it. Of course, yeah. Do you find then since you've moved to England, obviously, to with, your, with your partner now, do you think your writing has started going different directions because of the atmospheres and the country and our different country living. Well, definitely. I mean, I'm right now, and I'm going to read a little bit of it tonight, I'm working on a kind of a verse novel. It's sort of a hybrid mm. of poetry and prose, and I'm using um, sort of the Welsh countryside as, a, as the setting for it. So uh, we do a lot of hiking at uh, national trust sites and things like that, and um, I hear, sometimes I hear the Welsh language or I see it, and I 
am constantly trying to figure out how to pronounce it. <laughs> well, we, we're no help. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll let you father, father tell you But, you know, it's, it's like um, just having a completely different change of scenery. And I'm kind of where we live, where we've got the ocean on one side of us and forest on the other side. So we're kind of nestled in between these two different landscapes. Yeah. So it's really nice, and it definitely influences my writing. Oh, I can believe you. And I know also you've, you've done lots of gigs in England, haven't you, since you've come over here? I've done quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> How have you found the English poetry in comparison to the American one? I do know a few American writers. I've got friends of you. So their, their mm. approach to writing is completely different to English. Yeah, it's really different. I find that um, just basic stuff on poetry, like there's, there's a whole lot more rhyming going on. The English scene, oh, really? then, yeah, yeah, than what I then I wanted to America. We go yeah. to what four or five nights regularly. Mm -hmm. I think I only know, and I'm like, you might correct me, Amanda. I know two people that write, and I'll stop. I'll stop looking at rhyme. Mm -hmm. Nobody else I know rhymes. Oh, that's funny. I've heard a lot of it, or maybe it just feels like a lot to yeah. me. But um, yeah, I mean, the the poetry scene has been really welcoming to me, and I wasn't sure how that was going to be. You know, I come in, I don't know anybody, but. Um, it just seems really, um, really generous and welcoming, and and I hear a lot of, a lot of people writing about like uh, the difference between being in the north or being in the south, and I don't know anything about any of that. Yeah. So it's very interesting to me to hear the different um, yeah. takes people have on different I culture. You would do one like you you get used to different like, different places and the way people. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, how are we doing? So you can see, guys and girls, our audience has started <laughs> arriving now. So, <laughs> but anyway, it's nice to see Juliet. Um, um, obviously, you've got this hybrid book on the go. Mm -hmm. You've got another publication on due out in October, haven't you? Yeah. So in October, um, I have a book coming out called "Confess: The Untold Story of Dorothy Good." Now, and tell us about yeah. where that's come from. Then. So Dorothy Good was. Um, her mother was uh, one of the witches that was hanged in the Salem witch trials, or the accused witches. And oh, yeah. she was only five years old when she was arrested, actually, for witchcraft. And um, so it's kind of about her and um, her going through that and what happened during the Salem witch trials. And um, it, it's a really interesting story. She's sort of like, she's usually like a footnote in history. So yeah. I wanted to kind of take her and and really do something about her. I can't her. blame you. There is a case in England where something similar happened. Oh, I've seen the details of it. I can't remember off the top of my head. There was an 11-year-old girl put to death, basically. Wow. Down in Yorkshire. I've forgotten the name, but I'll get the details oh, to yeah, you. Oh, yeah. Like That's the story yeah. worth reading. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, there's a bit no sort of these tragic things happen in history. Years mm -hmm. ago, it's about five years. Five years well, and there's just so many people that get kind of forgotten in history books or, or mm. left behind, you know, so when I find out, when I hear about that, I want to know more. Yeah, I'm very similar in because I've got a massive, do, do a massive interest in English history, mm -hmm. certain bit parts of more than others. When you're, I, always, I was drawn, I don't get as much time nowadays, to miscarriages and justice a lot of the time, and mm -hmm. horrible stories happening to young people and stuff like that, it's just... I don't yeah. think you know, you're the same as me in the sense like the somewhat draws you to it, don't you? Yeah, we? well it's like what happened there and <coughs> maybe maybe how can we learn for that from that or how haven't we mm. learned, you know? Mm. And I'll completely agree with that. Now, have you got any readings coming up that people can want to see you or anything? What's, um, what have you got planned? Well, I don't have anything planned. Well, that's not true. I do have something planned. I, I suppose I always do. In October, I'm going to be headlining at Verbose again for Confess. Oh, brilliant. So brilliant. I will be. I will be there in October. 
Yeah. Nothing like a bit of forward planning there, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, I had I had an event there last week, and they were fantastic, and they invited me back. So we've not been to the new one. We've been to the old one. The, old, the previous people around. Mm-hmm. We've not been to the new one yet. And then the two new people that were announced. So the one we will have to get down to, man, at some point. Yeah, it was so. it was really great. It was a very nice space. Yeah, it's so, lovely. Yeah. And your Fred, Fred Jail House. Yeah, Fred Jail House. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really really nice. Yeah, we'll have to have a look at that one ourselves yeah. in the future. But obviously, I said it's. <laughs> I think at the moment you just keep your eyes and eyes and ears. Well, yeah, I'm high, you know, I I ask everywhere I go. I ask where where do you go to readings? Where do you hear poetry? Because I'm still trying to figure out where things are, what goes on when, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. I've got so. a few suggestions for you after this anyway. Excellent. Off, off mic, so, oh, we know we know things. Right? So we, like, we like helping people out, man. We, we know, so that's why. So definitely. So well, that's fine. So well, um, if people want to read to find out more about you on the internet, where are the best going? Um, well, my website is <coughs> julietwrites.com, and everything is on there. If I have upcoming events, my bookstore is on there where they can purchase books, and I have a list of publications if they just want to go read a poem or two um, from some of the magazines that I've been in. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So, yeah. so well, good luck, definitely. With it. Thank so, you. We're going to probably best wrap it up now. We're going to be up this place fill, starts to fill up. And we'll work out in a minute whether you get you to read some pieces now or do it later. Okay. Sure yet. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Juliet. Thank you. And hang around, everybody. See you all soon. Spoken label. Hi, guys. Right. So we're going to do a bit unusual tonight for Spoken Label here. Juliet's going to read out a piece for us now and live later on. Well, this, this may or may not work out, so I don't want to put her under pressure, Amanda. <laughs> we'll um, we're going to try and get her to do, um, do some live stuff later on for us as well. So. That may end up as a part two, but okay. <laughs> Juliet goes to pieces on it, and maybe not. We'll see. Anyway, Juliet, now you can do a poem for us now, aren't you? So. Okay, yeah, this is the title poem of the book, um, Anatomy of a Dress. Do not choose a neckline too low, though we call you sweetheart, until the time comes to grow and bloom, swelling to show decolletage, beckoning hands or mouths that never noticed before now itching to touch, tongue seeking to slake. Be watchful of hemlines that land a secret code across ankles, calves, and, you asked for it, thighs, alerted to all seeing eyes. Even those sleeves, bearing shoulders much less wanton than knees, a litmus test, your willingness to undress, to bear freckled skin for the enjoyment of men, Zippered along a spine, fit and flare calling all entry points no twirl will defend. Best done, trembling vertical, blending into brick and mortar, for there is far less molestation at the edges of a life lived safely out of bounds. We are skirts of signal flags, calling to ships, but boarded by pirates in treacherous waters, dragged under the power of a full fathom five, against clenched fists and hungry mouths, treasure tossed without care, unkind and unfair. The fact still remains. This is the anatomy of a dress. Fantastic. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for that, Julie. Brilliant stuff. And we'll look, for, look forward to them in part two for you shortly later on. So. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks Thank again. you. Thanks again, guys. See you all soon. Bye. Spoken Called Birth Night. Snow piles against the cottage windowsill, settling crystal upon crystal, oblivious to the warmth bundled inside the bedroom. 
It lightens the sky from black, snapping winter cold to muffled gray mittens waiting for hands to slip inside. Bare branches spread, ink blown across a page in this world where sound is wrapped in the cotton wool of winter. Silence tries to shoehorn in the woodcutter's cottage, but it is no match for the snapping bones of glowing logs piled in the fire. Flames lick cast iron until steam conjures itself for water, meant to sterilize tools for the coming of the newborn. The labor carries on, a pant and heave beneath lips sipping tea when not contorted in the cramped pain that is bringing forth. The women hold hands leaning forward, not knowing what to hope for because heaven knows a girl is needed even though boys are a safer bet. But it has been ten, ten long years since the last girl survived, and surely it is time. Lips murmur warm words, slipped into a mother's ear, searching for the calm. Expectant cries issue forth the pitch change that indicates the end is near. Woolen arms and booted legs tumble against and over one another. They are all midwives, confident that many hands, fingers interlaced, will weave a safety net of grace. Ma'am curls up, bearing down with no need of assistance. She waves away, shoving off the careful hands, her head tossing in mad resistance. She would rather fall alone wishing for a summer wood to slip her babe between blades of grass, a birth that she could call her own. Pain that fleets, absorbs the world, and dies in moments with a baby girl. A red-faced wail rents the room in two, a tiny visage bunched tight in flickering light. Oh, they breathe in surprise as they often do when the girls are born. Oh, they breathe in sadness, as they often do when the girls are born. Bundled into her mother's arms, the screeching subsides. Its small mouth puckered closed, then opened until it is latched for mother's milk. A mother heart beating promise into sustenance. Aira, Aira, she rocks her knee into being. Thank you. Thanks, Julia. Thank you. Spoken, mate.